0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from pro and college basketball to UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. With live betting options, free contests, and live sports for almost any sport or game imaginable. BetOnline is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to BetOnline.ag today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag Where the game starts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Believe in OK State podcast. I am Megan Robinson, joined as always by Eve Batoba and Justin Southwell. Huge win for our baseball and softball teams this weekend, or I should say huge series win. OK State got the walk-off RBI single. But freshman Nolan Schubert hit that to clinch the series win over Texas, and Coach Kenny Gayaski earned his 300th win as softball swept the University of Incarnate Word this weekend. So go softball and baseball. We love to see it.
2: That was awesome. I was at the game on Sunday when they did the walk-off. And it was lit.
1: Oh, you were at you were at the game on Sunday in Stillwater. That's true. Mm-hmm.
2: Celebrating the wife's birthday. Mm-hmm. Had some family time. It's a good time.
0: Hey Justin, why do you hate Megan?
2: <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> why do you why do you show up to Stillwater, and just not tell your co host and just deal?
1: It's fine. I was interviewing Allie Raisman and Laurie Hernandez, so yeah. right. it's fine.
0: That's right. Yeah. You were doing cooler things. It all works out.
1: But I could have come by and said hi before that interview had I known, but I didn't. So I didn't.
0: Justin hates you. It's okay. You know? well, we got to go to it. group therapy or, or something. You know, you know what's great
1: is I could just remove him from this chat right now and be done with him. But, but wow. then
0: the show is not as great without Justin.
2: <laughs> just forget all the times I've invited you to the football tailgates and all that. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah, fair. 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 He
1: has, but it's fine. It's fine. My feelings aren't hurt.
2: But but I did run into Coach Gundy. He was there on Sunday, and uh, went up to him, said what's up. He definitely uh, recognized me, noticed me, gave me a huge hug. I'm just kidding. None of that happened. Did you actually
1: see him? Was he actually? No, he wouldn't. I
2: did. Yeah, he was there. Uh, He, I I had to jog his memory on who I was by saying Justin Southwell. And, of course, you know, that tipped it off. I think it's just hard, you know. It's been, what, 12 years, and he hasn't seen – he'd have to see me in a jersey, probably recognize me number 85. I'm not in pads and a helmet. It's been a decade. I understand. It's all good. Hey, but your arms,
0: your biceps are still as big, which is Mm good. I don't know. Arguably. I saw
2: Jamie Blatnick as well, and he is –
0: Still looks like the he, rock.
2: He he's actually drawing strength from me. He's he's acquiring some <laughs> of my muscle mass as he continues to get bigger and jump higher and run faster. And I'm going in the opposite direction. So,
0: so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually pretty funny how much like Gundy will remember about some some of his players from the past. Like I remember I went up to him once and he was just like, hey. Yeah. How are things down in Miami? Yeah. I remember you left Notre Dame and you went down. there. To- yeah. So tell me, what are you doing now? Like he just started. I was like, I had no idea that you knew all this stuff. And it was just, yeah, just completely random. Um, but yeah, you just, you just never know. You never know. So I bet you, you go, you go up to him, you say all that stuff to him. The next time he sees you, he's just going to be like, yeah, Justin Southwell, number 85. I remember you, right, in yeah. Jersey, you had the huge biceps.
2: I remember whenever he got scout team player of the week, like week three in two thousand nine, like just random stuff. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I I forgot about that. Thanks. But you know,
0: like he said in his uh in his recent uh, post spring game practice, somebody probably gave him the whole rundown, and then he came up to you and he was just, <laughs> like, of course, yeah, Justin Southland,
2: eighty-five. Yeah.
1: There are a lot of players on the football team, man. You know, it's a lot of a lot of people to remember. Yeah, it's
2: like a hundred and thirty guys. Over the last ten years, it's a different set of roster every year, and even this last year, what he's got like twenty-eight new players that he has to worry about. A bunch, and uh, yeah, just I don't. Uh, Props to him. Yeah, don't don't blame him at all for not remembering me right away. So,
0: yeah, you either do something really <laughs> well, or you do something horribly wrong, and um, he'll remember you. I guess. Mm.
1: Speaking of rosters, there was some. <laughs> No roster news, no roster news, but talking about the new players and players from the transfer portal and new freshmen coming in. We all know that Gundy is not the biggest fan of the transfer portal. However, this week he decided to offer up what he believes would be a solution to make the transfer portal better and recruiting players a little bit fairer across the board. He wants to – well, he also said he he said that – You portal's a risk you have to take. Quote, you need to have car insurance, you got to have house insurance, you've got to have the portal. So I think Gundy is understanding while he might not like the portal, he understands it is important to college football. And his solution to make it better is to offer players contractual scholarships. So players would be able to sign a one, two, three, or four year scholarship offer of their choosing, if they were only to sign, let's say they're a five-star recruit was the example he gave, they could sign a one-year contract, a one-year contractual scholarship, and at the end of that season have the decision, hey, do I want to resign at OSU, or do I want to test the waters and potentially move on to greener pastures? How do you guys feel about this idea of contractual scholarships?
2: It sounds a lot like the NFL to me, in a way. The NFL is still a lot different because – people are you know nfl teams are drafting you and this is the case where you get to choose where you're going to college so yeah i don't really like the idea i don't know how much it would work how much it would solve the issues that are coming up in the portal um i get where the the mindset is it's just I i just can't imagine you know kids making these kind of decisions signing that kind of contract having that held over them if that if something's going wrong in practice um what that looks like if you sign something for four years and then you decide three months into it it's not a good fit for you like i don't know eve you you've dealt with that side of things on the nfl so how how would it translate to the to college football players
0: I think it's a good thing. I I mean, honestly, I, first of all, I appreciate the essence of what Gundy is trying to say here. Like if you make a commitment to something, just honor it all the way through. And you know, when it comes to this, kids are already kind of signing these contracts anyway, quote unquote contracts, whenever they sign that letter of intent, I think this just allows it to be legally binding. And you're saying like, Hey, commit to something. Like you said you were going to commit to something. So let's actually make sure that that commitment is all the way through whether it's one year, two years or four years. Right. Um, something has to be done with the transfer portal. I know that I've been known to be extremely pro player in the past. I speak up for the player. I think the players need a greater voice when it comes to legislation and all these things, but goodness gracious, like you got to give the, (laughs) give something to the coaches as well. Like I gotta know what my roster is going to be. I need to know what that turnover is looking like. And, you know, I've proposed a couple of things in the past, but I think that if you can have a contract and you say, hey, no transferring unless your coach is able to leave. Right. So, I'm hey, I'm locked into a four year contract. I can't transfer at all unless my coach is able to leave. OK, I think that's that's fair. Right or only one transfer is
2: allowed if it's not because of a coach departure.
0: You know, like something like that. Like let's have some meat in the middle in here somewhere. So does but, that
2: mean like head coach or position coach or the coach that recruited you? Because that can all be different. Yeah, I would say head coach. Just just keep it simple. Keep not it simple position coach.
1: coach. Not position coach.
2: Yeah, but that, I mean, position coaches come and go all the time. You know, I, like, I exactly, and that's that. why I think that it could be such gray area for these players to be like, well, my position why can't i leave and and it might not even be to where they're leaving they might just decide that they want to go to another university just because and it's a yeah. convenient you know coincidence that oh also my position coach is leaving so i'm out i get out i'm free
1: how much time did you guys spend with your position coaches in practice compared to mike gundy
0: oh it was all position coach yeah. almost
1: And I understand the value of a head coach and the importance of that. But I also think that the position coaches are oftentimes the ones doing a lot of the recruiting and on the visits. And it's not just Gundy and you see it, you know, if I wasn't, it was it Tanner McAllister. Is that who left to go to Ohio state with Jim Knowles? You know, if you have that Mm -hmm. bond with him, it's like, well, I'm with coach Knowles all the time. That's the guy that I am spending a majority of my practice with. I want, I came here to play for him and now I can't play for him. And I understand that position coaches leave all the time. I mean, maybe instead of position coaches, you make it offensive or defensive or special teams, you know, coordinator, the coordinators and not just those coaches. But if I have a bond with, you know, if I'm playing DB and I have a bond with that coach and they're like, you know what, I'm taking the defensive coordinator job at this school and he's like, do you want to come with me? hundred percent, I'm going with him.
0: First of all, Megan, I love that you said you're playing DB because that is the Probably. right position to be playing. <laughs> yeah, but no, I think you're right. I think you're right. If it's going to be the head coach or coordinator or even your position coach, yeah, you should feel free to, quote-unquote, get out of that contract and transfer out. I'm not opposed to that.
1: But I do think, Eve, to your point, people – it do, it has become the Wild West. We've seen players who have transferred several times and you know gone from school to school to school. So let's just say – my position coach were to transfer at Oklahoma State, becomes the D.C. somewhere else, becomes a D.C. at Arkansas. I'll pick an SEC school, okay. um, not just to go to Big 12. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go to Arkansas with him. Let's say they clean house in Arkansas. They have a terrible year. They clean house. Well, then I shouldn't also then be able to just pick up and follow him. You know, I think that there is kind of that, okay, you get one transfer and that's it. Something like that. I don't know if it's—it's it's so hard because college football is constantly changing more so than the NFL. You see NFL head coach turnover every year, but not to the same extent as college football. Also, there are 120 something FBS, FBS teams,
0: programs, yeah,
1: and there's 32 NFL teams, so the turnover is going to be a little bit less. And I do think that if I'm coming to a school. Like if I'm coming to Oklahoma State because my dream is to play for Mike Gundy and Mike Gundy leaves I should also be able to leave but I should not be able to bail every single time a coach changes a school.
0: And that's where these contracts could really come in handy, mm-hmm. right? To where you yeah. go and you you know you put that in writing. Okay, I get one transfer. And then after that, it's, you know, I stick to the commitment to the length of the contract that I signed with that university. Because if you are going to turn it into a business anyway, because you are getting paid for your name, image, and likeness, well, let's make sure that there are, you know, some things that are business related that actually bind you to the commitment. So
2: then you have the other side of this, right? Where let's say you're playing at Colorado and then all of a sudden Deion Sanders comes in and he's your head coach now. And then it's like,
1: I I didn't recruit
2: you. I don't want you on my team, but. Hey, I signed this contract. Like, what are you talking about? And it's like, I got more power over you than that. So you can go transfer somewhere else if you want to, you know, and maybe you don't get picked up in the portal and you're just SOL at that point. Like that's
0: actually, that's actually one of the things that coach Gundy said in his uh, proposal of this thing where he mentioned that, okay, like if the coach agrees and, and you mutually agree that to let you out of the contract
2: and you're able to get out of the contract if you want to. So, I mean, but I'm saying what if you want to stay and the coach, the new coach that comes in is like, I don't know anything about this guy and I don't like the way you looked at me in the hall one day and I want you gone. I well, you you can, can still stay,
1: get over, get over it. Get like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, I understand that, but I, it's just becoming way too transactional. Hard. Yes. Yes. And like, yeah, you know, I I chose, if I could go back and go to college again, I don't think I would have necessarily gone where I went. Um, I there's a lot of great things. I love my friends. I loved living in downtown Should
0: have been a cowboy. I definitely
1: should not have been a cowboy. I don't think. I think honestly, not to go on a tangent. If I could go and do it again, I probably would have gone to Michigan.
0: Okay, we're um, not talking about this. Is the believe in okay? I, all know. Kids by I just
1: understand. Just I'm just pretend. saying, not the point. We're going, however, I did not pick my college and think, you know what? This is gonna be good for a year. We'll see what happens next year. I chose that school wanting to stay the entire time. And I did stay the entire time and I don't regret it, but yeah. in hindsight, I might've done things a little bit differently. And I think with these with these kids signing up, like when I was growing up playing sports, my parents, you know, if I signed up for a sport and I was like, I hate this. My mom's like, it doesn't matter. You're finishing this season. No matter what the activity was, you're finishing the duration of what that is. If it's a camp, nope, you're going to the camp for the three weeks that there's the camp. If it was a sport, I got on a swim team because I got pneumonia and I couldn't swim anymore, but it's like, you got to see it through. We're paying the money. You've made the commitment. And to me, yeah. if you sign up, if you sign your letter of intent and commit to a school, that commitment is either is four years while you're here or it's until you declare for the draft. That's how I look at things. Yeah, and, and- you know
0: what? There, there there would have to be a governing body within the NCAA, NCAA governance, whoever it would be, that would actually be the people that 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 hold these and keep these contracts true. Cause it can't what you don't want is for a student athlete to be locked into a three-year contract and then you know, a year and a half in, he decides he doesn't want in. So he goes and he hires a lawyer or an agent and then they decided that hey, we want to amend the contract. Or we want to ratify this or we're going to sit out or we're going to sit in. You don't want all of that. So just keep it all central. One governing body within the NCAA that can actually hey ho- make sure that these students are holding true to these contracts and keep it pushing because. I don't even like comparing college sports to the NFL that much because there is there's a certain purity that I that I like to keep within college. Like a lot of fans are alumni. There's 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 almost a feel of, you know, you're doing it more so for the love of the game and not because of the business. I don't want it to become too businessy. So, you know, with that being said, like yeah, if you're going to do something like this, do it right. And please prevent it from becoming just way too transactional because it's a relationship
2: what you're saying about like how college is that experience. That's what makes me shy away from these contracts because I just can't, I can't imagine if somebody signed like a, a, even a two or a three year deal and then they get there and it's just not a good fit for them. And then they have to live out that contract, the life of that contract, just because they signed that and they are essentially wasting three years of their life being miserable if they're away from their family, if they're away from friends and they don't get a chance to go where they want, I just don't see that that's beneficial to the student athlete. And if they're
0: miserable, tell your head coach that you would like to leave and that you want to transfer somewhere else and negotiate it to where they help you. They get you out of it.
1: And I see your point, Justin, and I agree to an extent. However, in the real world, I'm someone who comes from the TV industry, the news business, and people sign contracts and you have to sign a contract. I've been fortunate where I have not had to, but I've had friends, (coughs) sorry, I just inhaled wrong, who have had to sign contracts for two or three years and then a better offer comes and it's like, oh, how do I get out of this? You signed a contract. Like, that's it is what it is. And either you need to buy it out and pay the buyout, whatever that is agreed upon in your contract, or you have to suck it up for the remain, remaining year and a half, however much you have left. And that's just kind of life. And I think that there are a lot of kids who enter the portal who it's for it's it's not if you, again, if you have a Spencer Sanders a trace forward, they're going to better their position to get drafted because they're that top tier of players who has that chance to play at the next level and they're moving on. I mean, you see it. Avery Anderson, I think, just announced today that he's entering the portal for his last year. And I don't fault those guys for that because they're trying to better themselves to get drafted and further their career because they have a legitimate shot. I'm talking about the guys who are not at that level, will not yeah. play beyond college and are sad that they're not starting. Well, maybe you should have gone to Middle Tennessee where you would have been a starter as opposed to coming to Oklahoma State because your dreams were playing FBS knowing you had, you had there were four quarterbacks ahead of you or something yeah. like that. And, and you know what?
0: what you're about. It could honestly make the greater landscape of college football way more competitive if people would go where they have a better chance of playing. So, I mean, look, I'm not opposed to it. And the the transfer portal is so fast paced. You know, over 3,000 people 2021 and 2022 entered the portal compared to just the year before that, 2,600. The year before that, back in 2019, 2020, you had 1,692. And then before that, it was 1,717. So just think about those four years and how fast things have changed. Uh, It's not slowing down anytime soon. So something has to be done to actually ratify this.
2: Yeah, I mean, but going back, I'm just saying, like we kind of took it at face value. If you get into it deeper, like a psychological level, you'll have a guy that complains that he can't get out for a second, maybe goes into depression for a little bit, and then he decides he wants to just completely blow the program up from the inside and be a cancer. I mean, those are things that you have to to worry about whenever you've got somebody locked into a contract. And I just, I just don't know if that's the best thing for the student athlete like for one students still come in before athlete and i understand that there's transactions that are coming into play here but as far as like being able to have power over your college career i think that that's like the most important thing that a college player can hold on to and with these contracts they're just signing that away sign a one-year deal
1: And you can resign after that one year. There's nothing saying that you can't. There are so many different scenarios too with the transfer portal and each person transfers for their own reason, whether it's they don't think it's fair that they've got they got little to no playing time or my coach is leaving or Or
0: like in the episode where we had with Shamil because of a family issue and he needed to be closer right.
1: to home. And so I think that there but I, I think that the transfer portal in general has become the wild, wild west. You see players entering for whatever reason, and I think that there does is is the contractual scholarship the way to do it? I don't know and is it going to happen probably not that was just gundy coming up with a solution you know offering up a solution to how he think he thinks he can make it better and justin i i agree i think that you know college everybody it's it's important and having a good college experience is important you're paying a lot of money those yeah. are four of the best years of your life not to sound cliche Um, And I think that having that great experience is important. That being said, I think part of college is learning how to be an adult and grow up and learning that life is not always fair and things are not always going to go your way. And if the solution to you not getting playing time or you feeling like the coach is mean to you is you walking away, that's not going to fly in the real world.
0: Yeah, got to prepare you for life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, to remember, these are institutions of higher learning. So as long as they don't lose like that, that pure essence of it, it's fine. But you know what? Major props to Coach Gundy for actually just throwing something out there that is innovative. That's a little bit, you know, contrarian out of the box. We see it all the
2: time, though. I mean, he he comes up with ideas that sound kind of outlandish at the time. And then sure enough, a couple of years later, we're seeing it play out.
0: Yeah. And people go back. They're like, oh, my God, this guy was a genius. Yeah, it does happen pretty often.
1: Well, we'll see what happens. If you have an idea on how to improve the transfer portal. Drop
0: in the comments. And if you think the
1: transfer portal is great, let us know that too. And I'm not, I don't think we should ban it completely. Obviously people should have the right to transfer, but I think there needs to be some sort of bylaws in place where you can't just be like, you know what? I'm over Oklahoma state. I'm going to go to OU after a year. I don't like OU. I'm going to go to West Virginia. Like I just, there's gotta, gotta be a method.
0: No, absolutely.
1: Through the madness. Absolutely. One of the things that comes with the portal, if players are graded or regraded, and we had a listener drop us a comment on YouTube asking a bunch of questions about grading players. And are players graded for each game throughout the season? How does the whole grading process work?
2: Oh, uh, So I don't know how much I remember from this. I kind of remember like in practice. So we got graded for practices. And I remember being graded based on effort. And basically you would get a plus or a minus every play. And if there was any kind of gray area, it would be counted as a minus. You had enough minuses at the end of the day, you're gonna hear about it. So um as far as games, uh I don't I guess you did, but I don't know if it was like Eve, maybe you remember, is it like A, B, C kind of scale at the end of, you know, each one of your plays that you're in there? Or I, I, I can't remember exactly how that went.
0: Yeah, a lot of it had to do with uh, th- there's just all these different categories and some of them, uh, they're escaping me. So it has to do with, did you play the right technique, the right play? How well did you play it? Effort was one of them. Um, as a DB, one of the things that we used to get graded on was FOP, which was called fall on pile. So like, <laughs> if somebody else like makes the tackle and there's a huge pile of just bodies on the ground, jump on top and fall on the pile. That was one of the things that we got graded for. It was so funny. Uh, like, yeah, because yeah, if the happen.
2: whistle hasn't blown yet, exactly, you, know,
0: you gotta yeah, get that like running back down, down. You know, dive yeah, in I there, jump go. on top. Um, but so it's yeah, I mean, grading you. Oh yeah, the coaches, yeah, yeah. The position coaches, coaches grade yeah. you not just after practice, but especially after every game. And the grade that you get within the team matters so much more than what the outside world is actually, you know, thinking or saying somebody could go out there and have a bunch of great stats and have, you know, a C game because they, they messed up and then they did really well on, you know, two or three plays. So mm-hmm. it, it actually just holds the player accountable. And you have some coaches that are really, really tough graders out there, like hard graders
1: post it remember like in in high school where teachers would post the grades and you'd have oh, to like right. find your student id number and your grade uh,
0: i do yeah and you, God, you know what that's that, that's one of the parts about football that not a lot of people talk about is the the peer humiliation <laughs> that can happen after a game so that's I, called I, accountability I, I go out there yeah you know, i go out there on a saturday i know that i just had a rough game and I'm not gonna sleep because I just know that coach is gonna chew me out in front of everybody that following Sunday. And I'm just like mentally preparing myself. I'm like, yo, like oh, everybody's gonna man. hear this. Oh, I know this one play was just really bad. He's gonna bring it up. I'm trying to figure: should I defend myself? So that I just let it go? And then you ultimately just show up and you take the butt chew in, in front of everybody there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that stuff happens uh, in front of the defense or just in front of all your your entire position.
2: You remember the time that. James Thomas got chewed out by Gundy for like a low effort play on special teams.
0: Just oh, yeah. In front, of the whole team. in front of the
2: whole team. Bro. And like everybody wanted to laugh because of the way that Gundy was saying it. But at the same time, it was like, don't laugh. Like, this is serious. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. so awkward, though. But that's the thing I remember most about any, any other category was it's effort. Poor. <laughs> effort was number one because they can, even if you mess up on a play, if you're giving good effort, the coaches can work with you on that. They can't work with a player who doesn't want to work and who doesn't want to give effort. So I know that that was an emphasis by all the position coaches. Give good effort all the time, and you'll be okay.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I need to go actually find like a grading scale because, gosh, I'm I I cannot remember some. Of yeah, and it, it might
2: it might be completely them. different today. I mean, how they how they used to grade. Back then versus how they do now, there's probably advanced analytics that are tied into the game that we don't we didn't see back in our day. Um, That's just another phase of the game that they have to worry about. So,
0: yeah. And and even you have to take all these analytics with a grain of salt. For example, PFF, they go and they try to grade every game and every play, but they don't know what what the player was supposed to do within the scheme. Not all sacks are created equals. Not all pressures are created equals, right? So, like, all these things factor into the scheme that the coach had for that specific play, for the down and distance, situational. Like, all these things matter. You line up five yards deep or you line up 12 yards deep based on, you know, the time that was left on the clock. Is it the end of the second quarter or is it the beginning of the game? You know, if if typically if you're losing by, you know, coaches will say if, if it's a blowout game, by the time you get to the fourth quarter, a lot of the stuff just kind of gets thrown away. Like they don't even watch that film because it's hard to actually gauge what a player or a coach is thinking in that situation. So a whole bunch of these things go into consideration and those are all factors into what kind of grade a player gets. This
1: is, we'll get back to the listener mailbag in a second, but what, What is considered a blowout game in football? How many points do you have to be winning by?
2: Oh, man. That's a good question because it all depends on the time of the game too because, you know, you might be up by 21. You might be up 21 to nothing really early on, all right, past the sticks, game's over. But not really because teams can come back from that. Not if it's the
0: B-12 conference.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what would be considered a true blowout. Just, I mean, do you – are you defining it as the clock hits zero at that point? Like,
0: yeah, like, I, th- I think, I yeah, I, I honestly, I would say it really depends on it, it's not so much like, hey, is there a chance that we can come back as much as it is we're not really following a specific game plan here. Maybe, maybe if play. you've
2: got like second and third team guys in through the fourth quarter, and they're getting the reps at that point. It's like, okay, this is a blowout. Let's get the younger guys in, get them some reps. I mean, even if they score a couple of points to start coming back, maybe you only win by 10, but it was really a blowout the entire time. I can see that. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and if – Go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say, like, if it's – you know, if, if you have a fresh pair of downs and you're throwing deep first, second, third, and fourth down, then I'm not watching that series at all, you know, if I'm a coach.
1: I just think it's because in football it's like you know if a team wins by 14 it seems like a lot but that's only two touchdowns mm-hmm. and two touchdowns can happen very quickly you know that can, right. You know, so it's just it so that's why people it people depends
2: talk, yeah yeah it depends on
0: who you're yeah. playing and, it depends on the team it depends on so yeah subjective. we're talking about strictly college like if you're mm-hmm. talking nfl like 20 points is a blowout but if you're talking college like because there's such a chance and because there's such a dis- uh, disparity w- w- in talent like if Oklahoma State is playing Savannah State and the score is 14 to 0 pass the sticks you know what I mean like Savannah yeah. State is not coming back from that game right. but if it's 14 to 0 and it's Bedlam, yeah we we're, we're taking that thing to the, to the end of the game to the end of regulation you know so
2: but i mean like it might come into play like what the spread was before the game and things like that too. Cause it's like, okay, Alabama versus Kansas state, uh, depending on who's playing in that game, we'll say Alabama, you know, minus three. And if they end up winning by 20, it looks like a blowout, but you know, I don't, I don't know how to gauge that really. There's such a, just like a gray area that's involved with that, it's kind of well. Kind that's of why, an interesting question.
0: That's why analytics can only take you so far, right? They talk about analytics matter so much more. It's like, yeah, you, analytics. There's, there's some truth to analytics, but you know, like we talk, like we say in the past, is it the X's and O's? Is it the Jimmys and Joes? It's both, and it's the analytics. Like all of that <laughs> stuff has to be factored into it. <laughs>
1: There are some games, too, where you're like, why are we not winning by 20? Because you're on yeah. the field most of the time, your offense has the ball, and you just can't score. Like, I remember it was not It was an NFL game. It was the Patriots-Jets this year the first time they played. It. I think the final score was 10-3 to because the Patriots had that kick return or the punt return touchdown to win it at the end. But you're like, how is this game tied? The Jets have 27 yards of offense in this second half. And on paper yeah. – stats, you'd think the score should be much different, but the Patriots couldn't get in the end zone either.
0: Yeah. how is it that OSU could have a season to where you're top two in the conference, but you go to Ames, Iowa and you're struggling to beat Iowa state, you know, matchups matter so much. So that's why the coaches then can come in and say, here's how we're grading this game based on our game plan heading into the weekend. And that's completely different than what anybody in the public eye is actually going to know.
2: Yeah. Then you go back to that 2011 season and look at final scores because I know Texas Tech that was a blowout for sure, won by yeah. 60. <laughs> there's there's no gray area there. It's like yeah, and then a, and in
0: Kansas State we played them at home in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and it came down to the very last play. Yeah. Like we almost lost that game. People always people f- tend to forget about the K State game in 2011. That Texas A&M team. was
2: a close game.
0: Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Even though that was at A and M, but I mean, yeah. Wild. It's wild. Which is one of the just wild just wildest such a crazy year. And that's the, the difference game. between what did we go like twelve and one that year? Yeah. So that's the difference between a twelve and one season and a ten and three. Yeah. For Couple sure. of plays. Couple of plays. <sighs> What a time. It's so stressful. It's just, uh,
1: it's so stressful being a football
2: player and being a coach and having to worry about all the analytics that are involved and all the different factors. That's why you
0: pick pick one role and you do that job really well. If I'm going to be the cornerbacks coach, I'm not thinking about analytics. I'm not thinking about the whole scheme. I'm thinking about being a really, really good cornerback coach. And then everybody play their hands well. That's what makes a team, right? Hey, game clock operations, who's going to be in charge of calling timeouts? You just do your job really, really well. That's it. <laughs> and then everything comes together.
1: So easy. So- Tell me-
0: yeah yeah that way you don't have to stress about it it's so much more stressful being a fan than it is being a player i'll tell you that right now it is way more stressful being a fan because i'm yeah. thinking about all these things yeah versus me as a player all i have to think about is okay let me get in my position and make sure that i jam him and then whenever he comes off the line i'm not opening up my hips too quick and i use the sideline for my good like that's all i have to think about like everything else ugh, i can't <laughs> or imagine.
2: if if your position group so if, if uh, you're on defense right and the, your offense is out there and you get to kind of not relaxed, but you get to watch the game from the sideline a little bit. It's like, ooh, that's okay. I see you. You know.
0: Yeah. And even those moments are rare because typically whenever you go to the sideline, you're over here, you're huddled up and you're thinking about the next possession or correcting yeah. something from the previous possession. So that's whenever do, the blowout
2: games are fun, because you don't have yeah. to worry about that as much. You get to go support your guys. Yeah. Hey. <laughs>
0: no, do you remember that time? This is, I think this must have been 2010. We were playing Kansas. It was going to be a shutout. We were beating them like 50 something to zero. And Rashetti put so much pressure on the entire defense at halftime. He was like, Y'all mofos better not allow a single point. We're trying to get a shutout for the first time in history since blah, 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 blah. So, like, he put a whole bunch of pressure on the defense to make sure that nobody allowed a point. Uh, we didn't get a shutout, though. We did not get a shutout. That
2: shutouts are really rare. It's hard It's so hard. hard to get a shutout.
0: 74 to 0 against Savannah State. I'll never forget that.
2: Uh, 84, nothing. 84 uh, 0. 84 yeah. 0. And yeah, 2012, I saw you. Eve was running down the field on the kickoffs, always the first one down. It's a game that stuck out to me, but always the first uh, one. West Lunt. Remember that name. West what Blunt, baby. 11 11. Uh, I thought it was the next Brandon Whedon. It
0: was the a good rise time. and fall of West Lunt. <laughs> I don't know how. Yeah. All
1: right, well, we will go to one more mailbag question. We went on a little bit of tangent. Sorry, we've been talking about coaches. It's the off
2: season. Yeah, this is it's tangent season. Tangent season.
1: We'll hit more mailbag next week, but this will be our last one for right now. We've been talking about coaches and the importance of them and how you have connections with them. I think I know the answer to this, but the people want to know, guys, who were your favorite coaches when you were at Oklahoma State?
2: go
0: eve who do you got you know who um is an underrated coach was coach gillespie do y'all remember him Mm -hmm. uh he was the running backs coach rob rob gillespie is it gillespie or gillespie 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 right and he's he's currently the running back coach at the university of alabama but whenever i got there he was coaching the rbs and the fullbacks and i just remember that guy knew how to teach you know like that's one thing that just stood out to me i wasn't I wasn't an offensive player, but I remember being around him, hearing how he spoke to his players um, and like commanding attention, treating you like you are a grown man, knowing how to correct people and really like just he he's a guy that really understood football. And one thing about coaches, um, you know, like the ones that you respect the most are the ones who are like real family men. You know, yeah. Another coach that sticks out to me is Jason Jones, who was my cornerbacks coach. Love my coach, coach. Jones. Yeah. You know, Coach Jones would invite us over to his house. We would eat dinner. We would eat lunch with his with his wife, eat with his kids there at the house. And, you know, we talked about things outside of football where we actually spoke about life. And, you know, someday you're going to get married and make sure that whenever you get married, Eve, flexibility is a key to longevity. You're going to you're going to thank me whenever you get married for that. <laughs> and he always used to say that to me. Flexibility is a key to longevity. So like just little things like that. And then after you graduate, you know, we're friends on Facebook and he'll shoot me a message. Hey, I saw that you did this, this congratulations. Like those are the things that stick out. So I would say those two outside of the obvious, of course, like Todd monkey and we've talked about him in enough episodes, but waiting for uh, that one. (laughs) Yeah. Rob Gillespie, Jason Jones are two coaches that instantly just uh, pop in my head.
2: Yeah. Coach Jones is really cool. Uh, So for me, These are mostly like the scout team coaches that we would be lined up with on a daily basis. So I'm thinking of Jamie Thompson, always getting everybody's jazz level up. The man. Uh, He would sometimes act like he was going to wrestle me. And I'm like, bro, you don't want any right now? Like we were just, you know, we had the fun (laughs) back and forth, of course. OK
0: State fans should know who Jamie Thompson is. He was a safety at OK State.
2: Yeah, playing the NFL for a little bit with the Jets. That's right. Uh, Another one that stands out to me was uh, Coach Andrew Thacker, who I think is at uh, Georgia Tech now. And he had a very unique, at the time at least, I mean, his very unique way to be able to get the point across without jumping down your throat and yelling his head off. Yeah, He's just able to talk to you, communicate it. You understood. I mean, there was a lot of power behind that. Right, Because yes. it was just so different from what you had been around for any other coach. Uh, so I really respected him for that. And then last but not least, uh, definitely Coach Gunter Brewer. Coach uh, Brew. Dude, he – Oh, I can't believe I didn't say Coach Brew. He is so like personable, just a lovable guy, another family guy like you're talking about, Eve. And I just remember – Uh, you know, there was a time where I was kind of, kind of down a little bit at one point in my career and he, he realized it right away and he, he talked to me about it and he lifted me up, uh, gave me a nice, uh, resourceful book to, uh, you know, keep me focused. And so I'm eternally grateful for that, man. I, I love him so much. So those are probably the three that stand out the most, um, and I mean, the list goes on and on there. There's like yeah. conditioning coaches that we worked with over the years. Um, and of course, obviously, you know, and Gundy, love all those guys. So,
0: yeah, I mean, Coach Brew, he's the person that's responsible for bringing Justin Blackman and Des Bryant to Oklahoma State. Right now, uh, Maryland, he's over at the University of Maryland. But I'll see yeah. him commenting on his former OK State players like IG post. Just go to yeah. miss you, man. Hope you're doing well. <laughs> like that. Yeah. And I absolutely love that. Now, there's somebody else that I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention him. Jamal Singleton, Coach Sings, who was another RB yeah, coach. He ended backs. up winning the Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I'm pretty sure he played in the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, he coached the Super Bowl this past season as well, lost um, to the losing team. I can't remember who was in the Super Bowl. Who Who the heck was it?
2: Eagles. Uh, Chiefs.
0: Eagles? It was Eagles, Chiefs. So, yeah, so he was on the Eagles. He was on the Eagles there too. Um, but he was pulse the, the Colts play. for a
2: minute. I think was
0: with the Colts. Yeah. Coach Frank Gore, whenever he was at the Colts. Um, but like, that's a guy who I just remember always had great energy whenever he would walk through yeah. the locker room, headed out to practice. Uh, so what I used to do, like one of my rituals was just. I would, I would sit after we were done with meetings, I would go to my locker and I would just read my Bible. Like that's what, that was just what I did. And he would always stop by and be like, Hey, what you reading? And when we would just rap, like have like a mini Bible study, like five minutes right before we went out to practice. Like that's the stuff that sticks out to me. You know, coach sings was the man. Oh, yeah
1: we will answer more of these mailbag questions in future episodes so stay tuned if you asked a question we will we will get to them probably next week some of them are pretty pretty fitting for next week and the non spring game spring game situation so
2: right right
1: stay tuned moving on to news and notes Oklahoma State Athletics announced this week the six honorees for the 2023 Hall of Honor. They are David Buddy Arndt from Wrestling, Justin Blackman, Football. The GOAT. guys. I know that guy. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: Ricky Fowler, Men's Golf. The Yolanda-
2: GOAT. The Ambassador.
1: Yolanda Odenio, Soccer. Coach- the go. Anne Pitts from Women's Golf, and Legends Division honoree Shelby Wilson in wrestling. So to congrats to the six of you. That ceremony will take place in September so, in about a little less than six months from now. But congratulations in advance. You have mm-hmm. all earned the honor. That
2: is awesome. No, I'm, I'm going to make it up there for that.
1: That uh, Fowler and Blackman are, aren't already in it, but you know. What do I guess
0: guys? yeah. You 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 must have to be out long enough or something. like Well, actually, did we just recently start doing this? Like, isn't this a pretty new thing?
1: Uh, I don't I don't know when they started doing it. I know they like missed a year or two because of COVID, I think, and they wanted to have the ceremonies. But exactly. uh, yeah, yeah. So like, con- but congrats to the six of you. Congrats. Yo, They're when we
0: <laughs> when we went back to OK State in 2021 because it was a 10 year anniversary oh, of that the, was the
2: coolest. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, of the, of the Fiesta Bowl season, of,
0: of the of the Fiesta Bowl season, and being out there, first time for a lot of people seeing Blackman in years, you know, out there got his dreads out. But <laughs> whenever we went out at halftime to get honored, and uh, somebody gave weed in a football, and he goes, "Hey Justin, go out to the end zone. I'm going to throw it to you." And Justin's like, "Dude, this is so much pressure right now. I'm not ready." For <laughs> It's like, you know, in front of a, like a you. sold out crowd for the Bears, right. so well, he's like, yeah, game "Let's ahead. do it." So he just runs out there, goes to the back of the end zone, throws it. Yo, know, I'm telling you, people were crying in the stands. Yeah, like literally, as soon as he caught that ball, people were legit tears. I felt emotional. Like it was just such a dope moment to see weeding to weeding to Blackman another time. Uh, so many people love love Justin Blackman, and I hope that he he really feels that and knows that.
1: I was at that game. That was. Didn't know you guys then, but I was there supporting you, but not knowing that I was supporting you. Nice. you. Look at us now.
2: Look at Fate. us now. <laughs> Through
1: your 20th Who would have thought? You're like, not me. I know those guys.
0: <laughs> Love it. All
1: right. Uh, we talked about baseball and softball, big wins this weekend. And Warren Watts Brown, Big 12 Pitcher of the Week for the second time this season for his performance against Texas. But wait – There is more. He was also named the perfect game Rawlings pitcher of the week and tabbed as one of collegiate baseball's national players of the week. He pitched eight innings, 12 strikeouts, allowed one run on three hits. Watts Brown is four for one on four and one on the season and has a big 12 leading 67 strikeouts. That is not including the game that is currently happening as we're recording this and that 67 strikeouts. Ranks second nationally. I don't even know if he's pitching tonight, so uh, yeah. it might it could just, just still be at sixty seven. I'm honestly not sure who's pitching for for OSU tonight. But congrats to Warren. Yeah.
2: Probably not for Tuesday night, but here I was worried about you know losing. Was it Justin Campbell? Uh, and here he comes in another guy just reloading. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, go baseball.
1: Yeah, gotta love it. Shout out women's tennis. <laughs> Alana Wolfberg was named Big 12 Player of the Week after a dominant performance over the weekend. She went 2-0 in singles, 1-0 in doubles, including an upset over Iowa State's 53rd-ranked Anjobi Kijuru. I apologize if I mispronounced your name. I was looking for pronunciations, could not find them anywhere. Uh, Alana Wolfberg improved to 7-1 on the season, so congrats, Alana. And in tennis news, it is bedlam week for both men's, and women's tennis. We know you. The women head to Norman on Friday and the men's matches start tonight, Thursday night. If you're listening to this on Thursday, men's matches start at 6 p.m. here in Stillwater. Free tickets, free pizza, and a free prize for the first 50 fans. So go support your men's nice. tennis team as they beat OU. Of
0: course. I would yeah, I would love for the tennis course to just get absolutely <laughs> rowdy. Just in between sets, like just yeah. yelling people's ears off while they're over there as if it's a football game. That would be amazing.
2: So, I, I mentioned I was at that baseball game against Texas on Sunday and they posted the women's tennis score from that Sunday. They beat West Virginia seven to nothing. And I mean, I don't know a ton about tennis, but I know if you beat somebody seven to nothing, that that's like a blowout, <laughs> dominant yeah. performance. That's a so, blowout that's a good grade uh, that is really great going right into bedlam this week so i love that for the women
1: and can't forget about our cheer team our cheer team leaves for daytona this week they are going for their three peat national champions or back-to-back national champs they are going for the three peat this weekend in daytona i think they compete on Friday and Saturday or Thursday, I think Friday, Saturday are when they compete. I'm not positive. Don't quote me on that. But if you're listening on Thursday, look up the schedule. It'll be on Flow Sports. You're a national, you're reigning national champ. So excited. I got to spend some time with a cheer team over spring break. And I am so excited to see their final routine because some of those stunts that they were putting together looked absolutely crazy. And I hope they crush it. And we did a story on them on Inside OSU. So if you want to watch more about the cheer team head on over to Inside OSU, shameless self-promotion, watch that piece, but go cheer. Incredible athletes. True
0: athletes. I I had some homeboys, some homegirls that were on that cheer team back whenever I was in school. And the stuff that they do athletically is unbelievable. Like, they deserve a whole bunch more respect for what they put their bodies through. It's unreal.
1: What you see at football and basketball games is the smallest of sample sizes of what these athletes can do. It's it's insane. It's, yes, absolutely-
0: it's the difference between cheering and stunting. These yeah. girls are stunting.
1: They are. Stunting. And guys. Yes, there. It's yeah. I'm I'm pretty pumped to see the final team. Best of luck to OSU cheer. And with that, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Believe in OK State podcast, presented by Bet Online. Like, share, subscribe, comment, follow. Do all the things. As always, we appreciate our loyal and true listeners. Once again. I'm Meg, joined by Justin and Eve. Thank you always for listening and go pokes.
2: Go pokes. Go pokes. Beat you. Beat you.